Welcome to our online service today. Everybody watching at home, it's so good to be with you, everyone in the room. Come on, check it out right now. Coming up this week, Sunday is Vision Sunday. Come on, it's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. In fact, it's one of the biggest Sundays of the year. You cannot miss out whether you engage online or in person. It's also going to be family day where after the service, there's stuff for the kids, there's food on sale. It's going to be awesome. You can't miss out because God's going to be speaking into what the rest of this year is looking like. Come on, we're up, we're through January. Come on, we're into 2023. And we've been going over the last few weeks, starting in December, uh, a, a collection of talks around the authors of the New Testament. We've been asking ourselves this question, right? Do you ever struggle to read the Bible? Right, I'm asking you the question, do you ever struggle to read the Bible? Well, the reality is we do too. We struggle sometimes to read the Bible. We struggle sometimes to understand what the Bible is all about. And here's the thing, you know, you might think that as a pastor or as someone who is, who is uh, leading a church, that the Bible would just be easy to understand, but it's not. I mean, it's the Word of God, right? But what is more important to us than the Word of God. Nothing. The Word of God is huge. The Word of God is everything. And so these collection of talks, they are supposed to be a resource to you, a resource when you're reading the Word, especially what we've covered. If you're going to go and read any one of these books that we've covered so far, these letters, these writings in the New Testament, watch these again. Go back and listen again, because it will open this thing up to you and help you to understand what God is saying through His Word. That's what this series is all about. If you've ever struggled to read the Word, come on, this is for you. And today is our final stop. It's the final chapter in this collection, right? And we're talking about the other big gun. Remember last week we opened up the first of two big guns of the New Testament. We spoke about Peter last week. And the person we're talking about today planted more churches than anyone else. His letters make up more than two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of what we have of the theology of Jesus Christ comes from this man. And he has one of the strangest starts to any journey with Christ. Today we are talking about Paul. And as we do that, come, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that across this room and in every room, every person that's watching this, that you would come and open up our hearts, that you come and speak something deep into our souls. We want to know more about your word, more about who you are. And so right now, will you come and will you open this up to us today? In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. If you're excited, come on, post it in the chat, right? Paul started out as Saul. Check this out. We said he has a strange beginning to his journey with Christ, and it's very true. If you grew up in church or you know a little bit about the Bible, you'll know about this guy, Paul, who started off as Saul, right? We hear about him first as a persecutor of Christians. It's a crazy part about who he is, right? He was a Pharisee. Who was he? He was a Pharisee. He was a zealot, right? A Pharisee means he was a teacher of the law. It means he was a religious leader. It means he was a scholar, an academic. It means he studied the word 
of God. He was very passionate. He was known throughout all the circles that he impacted. He was a very influential man. And he was rising up through the ranks of the Pharisees. He was very zealous for God and for what he believed was truth. And so he rose in the ranks and he gained an influence and he was one who actually imprisoned and even killed Christians. Just think about that for a moment, right? We're opening this up and you may have heard this before. You might know all about this. You might have heard about this guy, Paul, before. But I want you just to engage with this idea for a minute that Paul killed and imprisoned and persecuted Christians. We overlook it because we hear it so many times. But can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt like you are just the wrong person for the job, right? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I've felt that way maybe in work or business or even in ministry, that you're just the wrong person for that job, right? Like, God, what are you doing? I'm not the right guy. This guy, Paul, was the wrong guy, the absolute worst and most wrong guy for the job. He wasn't the guy you would imagine God would choose to write so much of what we now know is who Jesus is. He's not the right guy for the job, but that's the important part. That's the interesting part right now for you and me to know and to remember is that even if we think we are the wrong person for the job, God knows better and knows bigger than us. And so why? Why did Saul persecute Christians? Why was he like this? Was he just a bad person? I don't know if you like me, but I ask these questions. Why was Paul like this? Why did he do what he did? Was he just a bad person? And I mean, some of the stuff he did, he did was really bad. I mean, he was there. It's quoted that he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was a disciple of Jesus. He was an apostle. He was ministering the word and he was stoned, martyred for his faith. And Paul was there. He was right there alongside everyone. Some of the stuff that Paul did was really, really bad. But check this out. If you've ever asked yourself the question, why was Paul like this? Or why was Saul like this, right? God saw deeper into his heart. Check this out. God knew his passion for what he believed was truth. He had a passion for the Lord. Now, if you look at the history of the Israelites, this is so key and so vital for you and I to understand. When we're opening up, remember in this collection of talks, we're asking the question, who was the person who wrote the letter or the writing? And why did they write what they wrote? Like, who were they and why did they write it, right? So who was this guy? He had a passion for the Lord. What he believed was truth. And you know that God just needed to aim him in the right direction. If you look at the Israelites and the Israelite history, they were people who time after time had uh, prophets who would come to them and say, you know, they would go off track. They would follow other gods. They would go down the wrong path. And as they went down the wrong path, there was curses and difficulties and strives and, and hardships that they went through because they chose to go down this path. And so Paul is just trying to avoid that. So many times the Israelites and the Jewish people have gone off course. And he sees this idea of Jesus and these 
followers of Jesus as just another one of those where these people are going off course. They're going away from the traditional ideas of what it means to be a Jew and to follow God. And God saw into Paul's heart. Saul at the time was aimed in the wrong direction. And God knew that if he could just take this gun and aim it in the right direction, what he would end up with is a man who would go and do so much for him that to this day, most of what we know about Jesus comes through him. And in the same way that Jesus changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter to focus him in on being the rock, on being someone who would stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and would be able to be a pillar of strength for the church going forward, Jesus also changes Saul's name to Paul. And it's not just about a name. Come on, what's what we learned last week? It's all about identity. It's the identity of who Paul was. See, Paul was a deep thinker. Paul was a scholar. Paul was an academic. He was a teacher of the law. He went deep. His writings reflect this idea. And we're talking about who they were and why they wrote what they wrote. Paul's writings reflect who he was. He was a scholar. He loved to study the word. He loved to know the word in a deep way. This is who Paul was. And so his writings reflect that. They run deep. They explore philosophical ideas. They're very heavy on theology. Some of the other writers were not so interested in teaching you deep theology. Paul was very much interested in teaching us the deep things of who God is. And you know what? Sometimes his writings are kind of hard to understand. You know, you look at the book of Romans. We're going to explore that just a little bit. But the book of Romans is, is kind of known as one of the capstones of the New Testament. There's so much depth and so much to chew on in this book, in this letter that Paul writes. So much theology inside of it. It runs deep. And it's difficult to understand sometimes because of the thoughts and the ideas that are being expressed inside of the book of Romans. But all of Paul's writings are just like that. He was a deep man. And you know what? There are way too many letters of Paul to go through them one by one. Right? I would love to. And maybe one day we'll do that. We'll go, you know, letter by letter through the Pauline letters and just understand it in a deeper way. But there's just too many, far too many for this series to go through them one by one. So instead we're going to focus in on why Paul wrote what he wrote. As this scholar, as this lover of God, as this one who is, will not compromise truth, why did he write what he wrote? And so check it out. Paul was both Jew and Roman. He had both Jewish citizenship and he had Roman citizenship. This means that he was different from the rest. Look at this. Paul was not a disciple of Jesus. He didn't walk with Jesus when Jesus was alive. And even you might see that Judah and Jacob, the ones that we explored before, they, they were brothers of Jesus. So even at least there, they had a connection to Jesus. But Saul had no connection to Jesus whatsoever. He was different from the other apostles. He was both a Jew and a Roman. 
And he lived his life in a way that was different to the rest of the apostles. He even ministered in a way that was different to the other apostles. He didn't get saved through a disciple of Jesus either. Check that out. It wasn't like Peter went to Paul or one of the other disciples had an encounter with Paul where it changed his life. No, he actually had an encounter with Jesus himself. We won't go deep into that story, but if you know it or you grew up in church and you know about that story, he's on the road to Damascus. He's heard about Jesus' followers, a collective of believers in Damascus, and he's going there to persecute them. He's going there to get them imprisoned or to deal with them. And on the way there, Jesus himself encounters Paul. How deep is that? That's amazing. Jesus himself speaks to Paul. And here's the thing that we need to understand about Paul himself. Every one of the apostles was called to do something, right? Just like you and just like me. We have a calling in life. There is something that God wants us to do. And specifically, Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles, check that out. If you're taking notes, you've got to write this down. He was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. What's a Gentile? A Gentile is a non-Jewish person. In the way that the tradition of the Jewish people is, is that there are Jews and there are Gentiles. Anyone who's not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And so that makes most of us, maybe all of us, you and me, Gentiles. We're not Jewish by blood, by descent. We're not Jewish. We are Gentiles. And so you can imagine the Roman world, the Greek world, all these other countries that surround Israel, right? He is called to go and speak to them, to speak a language to them that is different than what he would speak to his Jewish friends. Now check this out. Famously, he is the one who says, when I go to a city, I go to the Jew first. The message of Christ is for the Jew first, right? And he would always do that. He would go and find out and seek out the Jewish people of that city first and minister the gospel to them first. But he was called to the Gentiles. And so that speaks a lot to how he wrote and who he spoke to, because he doesn't assume that they have a full understanding of the law of Moses, a full understanding of the religious traditions of Judaism. He doesn't assume that at all. And so the way that he writes and even the types of things that he writes are different to that of the other apostles, because they were called to the Jews. They were called to Jewish people who were coming to Christ. Yet Paul was called to Gentiles who were coming to Christ. It is because of Paul and subsequently Peter, as we spoke last week, he also moved and planted churches. But because of Paul, the message of Jesus broke down the cultural barriers of the time, the separation between Jew and Gentile. Because the thing is, even as a Gentile, to become a Jew, you, you never even fully become Jewish. You must be born Jewish. There was this thick separation between Jews and non-Jews, the chosen people of God and those who are not. And if you were not Jewish, you don't fit into the people of God. You don't receive of the promises of the people of God. You are separate, right? 
right? And it's the message of Jesus that breaks these walls down. It breaks down race. It breaks down gender. It breaks down economic barriers and, and differences between us, the haves and haves not. It breaks all these barriers down and it brings us all into one people, the people of God. It's because of people like Paul that this actually happened. Also would have stayed within the Jewish community and never come to us Gentiles. Famously, Paul was known as the Apostle of Grace. You can write that down as well. You know that over this year, over the next little while, Paul is going to become a very central theme. The Pauline writings, the things that he talks about, are going to be something we're going to discover and we're going to explore a lot as a church. He was famously the Apostle of Grace. He spoke and had an understanding of the grace of God like no one else had. He had a deep understanding of the law, probably deeper than any of the other apostles, which means he knew the freedom that came from the salvation that Jesus brought. He knew that deeper than anybody else. Out of the law, he operated as Saul. But out of Jesus and out of grace, he operated as Paul. He had a deep understanding of what the law was, what it was meant for, what it was designed to do. He knew the ins and outs. He knew all the traditions. If you read through some of his writings, he calls himself um, a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. It means he was the top of the top. He knew everything. He was the one to go to if you wanted to know something or hear something or have an idea or have a discussion. He was the guy to go to. He knew the law inside and out. And it's because of that deep understanding of the law that he also has this deep understanding of the freedom that comes in grace. But this is also where the controversy lies. Come on, track with me here, church. There's a controversy that pops out because of this. And we spoke about it when we spoke about Jacob, the book of James, right? That there was this contrast of ideas where uh, Jacob starts to talk about this idea of being saved through works, right? That not by faith alone, but by what you do shows your real faith. And we spoke about that. We, you can go back and check that out again if you want to. But the idea is that Paul actually says we are saved by grace alone, not of works. And here's the controversy, right? People are asking the question, do you have to be Jewish to be a Christian? In the earliest collective of believers, you find them actually saying you have to be Jewish, before you can be Christian. And Paul says, no, no way. We don't have to follow the law. You know, these first early believers, they, they followed the law and Christ. But Paul had a whole different perspective on how all of this works. And it caused controversy in the early church. You know what, it, it causes controversy even now. The question becomes, can we do anything that we want to do and still be saved. Paul knew what the law was for. He details what the law is for in the book of Galatians. You know, the, the law is a whole topic by itself. It's a huge and beautiful piece of the history of our faith and what God is saying to us. And in that time when Paul was, was speaking out and, and delivering the gospel, the gospel of grace to the world, all these ideas started to pop up. And I want you to see in Galatians chapter 3 from verse 19 to 20, 
You see, Paul's idea, he knew what the law was truly for, what God's purpose was in the law. He says this, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. All right, so now already you start to see how deep Paul goes and how kind of difficult it is to understand. What is going on here is that Paul... In, after a series of talking about the promises of Abraham and how they are received into our lives, he asks the question, why was the law given at all? And he says, this is why. So if you want to know what the law is for, check this out. In the grand scheme of things, when you see the big picture view, this is what the law is for. It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. What does that mean? It means that there was sinfulness, brokenness. There was all kinds of things in the way of us and God until the seed came. What's the seed? Jesus. Until Jesus had come, the promise refers to a seed and that promise from Abraham is to Isaac. But in truly, for the whole world, that promise comes through Jesus. And the law was given until that promised seed came. The law was purposed to point us to Jesus. It was purposed to bring us to the end of ourselves, to show us that we cannot do it, that we're not holy enough, that we're not pure enough. You're right, the law shows how pure and beautiful God is, how separate He is from the way that we do things, how separate He is from the way that we think about things. But the law wasn't meant to bring us salvation. It wasn't meant to make us righteous. It was meant to point us at Jesus. Paul saw that we needed to be shown what holiness was until Jesus came and we could receive his righteousness by faith outside of works. This created an even bigger controversy. Can we live how we want and still be saved? It also even begs the question, why was the God of the Old Testament, why was he so full of wrath, but Jesus is so full of grace? All these questions start to pop up. You want to understand about Pauline literature? These are the questions he is starting to address as he speaks, right? Can we just do whatever we want? Can we be whoever we want? Can we sin as much as we want and still be saved? Because it's not by works it's by grace also if God is so gracious why was he so wrathful and vengeful and why was there so much destruction and and hardness from God in the first place we don't understand you know that in those earlier times there was even people who who took the, the writings of Paul, you know, they're called, it, was, it was called Marcionism. It was led, it was a sect of Christians who was led by a man called Marcion. And they actually, they, they kind of used Paul's writings and kind of twisted them a bit to actually say that there were two gods, one of the Old Testament who was a, an evil God and then Jesus who actually comes and changes everything and, and he is the real and true God. Paul's views on all of this were very, very straightforward. You find them all over his writings. You see them time and time again. It seems that these questions were not new. They exist right now. We're still asking the same questions. But in the early church, they were asking the same questions. And Paul's views are very clear. Check it out. This is what he says. There is one God, one God alone. 
His law is holy. It's holy and it's pure and it's good. But the law cannot save you. It only has the power to reveal your shortcomings. It was never designed to save anyone, but to point to the one who would save us, Jesus. That is Paul's understanding of the law and grace. And that is the thing you have to keep in mind whenever you're reading Paul's writings. This is huge, man. There is a viewpoint out there in this world that basically says that Christians are judgmental. Christians are holier than thou. Christians preach a certain message of being a good person and living the right life, yet they don't do it themselves. This is the viewpoint so many people have about what it means to be a Christian. Even within Christianity itself, there are those that believe that it's all about how you present yourself, whether you're living the right life, whether you're doing good things and not doing bad things. And here's, the, here's the, the controversy because Paul definitely taught and believed and so did Jesus that we are held to a high standard and that God holds us to a high standard in the way that we live in how we treat others and how we treat ourselves. And he calls us, he, Paul calls us to that high standard. But he reminds us that the law and doing good things and good deeds was never designed to bring you salvation, redemption or righteousness. That comes through Jesus and through faith alone. This is what you got to keep in mind. Paul's heart is to draw us deeper and deeper into following Jesus and his teachings for our lives. Not because we have to, but because, not because our salvation depends on it, but because it will bring us the most life in our everyday walk. It will bring life to us. We honor God with our lives because it brings life to our marriages, life to our kids, life to the people around us, that that life that God gives us spills over into the world around us and changes and impacts people, that we treat ourselves with care, that we treat others with care, that we treat our souls and our spirits with care, our relationship with God with care. Paul calls us towards that deeper following, but not because we have to not because our salvation depends on whether we match up to God's standards or not we don't do it because we have to we do it because we know it gives life everywhere that it goes everywhere that we go we carry that life with us we live our lives to honor God and to bring life I want you to see something from the book of Romans it's Romans chapter 5 verse 17 it's a huge, vital part of understanding Paul. Check this out. This is what he says. For if by the trespass of one man, he's talking about Adam in the garden. He says, death reigned through that one man. Death had its way with us as humanity because of that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying here? He is contrasting Adam and Jesus. That through one man, through Adam, 
death and sin came into the whole world, including you and including me. It causes us to do destructive things, to hurt others, to hurt ourselves, to bring brokenness everywhere around us. He contrasts that with Jesus, one man, God laying down his divinity and becoming a man. Contrast with him. How much more, if death reigned through the one man, how much more will life reign to those who believe in Jesus, who accept the gift of righteousness, who tap into the provision of God's great grace? This is what Paul is saying. He's not by any means saying, do what you want. Live the way that you want to do. Sin whatever you want to sin and everything will be fine. He never says that. He is clear about that. We can be clear about that. We are not to sin. We are not to live those lives. But we don't live the right way to try and earn our salvation because death reigns through humanity. But life reigns through the one man, Jesus Christ. And when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive that abundant life that he spoke about and it changes us forever. As Christians, we come in and out of this idea that we need to live clean and pure lives. I don't know if you're like me, but I come in and out of this idea of trying to match up to God's standards. Because I know, I know that God has the best plan for me. I know that God cares for me. I know that he wants nothing but the best for me. And so I come in and out of this idea of, of having to say, you know, I got to shape up or I got to change or I got to be better. I come in and out of this idea of looking at others and whether or not they shape up or whether or not they are okay. We come in and out of pushing ourselves to be more godly and to be more righteous, to, to earn righteousness somehow. The church globally has this reputation of being judgmental and forcing its ideals on a world that doesn't even know what we're talking about. Come on, think about that for a second. We try to force our ideals through political means and through other ways of, of forcing the world to be like us when they have no idea what life is. They have no idea who God is. They can't be those people. They can't even understand understand what we're talking about because there's that life is not alive inside of them and so we try and force our ideals on our friends our families the people around us and it gets us this reputation of being judgmental when we're really just trying to follow God with all our hearts but instead of pushing our ideals on other people Paul wants us to understand that righteousness and holiness and purity it comes through grace through Jesus and what he has done for us. Paul looked deeper into us. Rather than trying to change the world, he looks to see us individually be changed by grace into something new, something full of life. And in turn, that life will spill over into the world around us and bring the change that we are looking for in others. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think in your own life. I want you to think in your own space, how you feel about God, how you feel about yourself when maybe you miss the mark, when maybe you do something wrong, maybe addictions that you face or brokennesses that you seem to struggle to get past. You know, I, I want you to think about how you think God sees you. I want you to think about what you believe about trying to follow Jesus and what does that look like? What does that mean? What about others in your life? What about your friends and your family who are not following the ways that Jesus lays out, who are not living up to that full standard and living up to that way that God has called us to be? I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want you to realize that God wants to bring change to the world through you. 
but not through how big you can shout or how much policy you can force down people's throats, but actually to change you and to change me from the inside through the power of God's life-changing grace. And that when life comes in through Jesus Christ, it spills over into the world around us and it actually brings change to others that are around us. Paul is going to be a key figure this year. We need to bring out what he believed, what he taught, what he said, so that we can find the same freedom he found. You see, Paul went through all those same motions. He felt like he wasn't the man for the job. He felt like he was not good enough. He felt like he, he, he couldn't be the one because of all that he had done, murdering and, and imprisoning Christians and doing all kinds of wrong things and, and being prideful and boastful in himself through his knowledge of the law and his religious standing and his influence that he had. He felt like he was the wrong man for the job. But he was the right man. And so are you and so are me. We are who God made us to be. We are who God wants us to be. And if we let Jesus flow through us, if we let that life and that life force of grace come in and just empower us to be who we could never be by ourselves, we will become just powerful and amazing people that God will use to change this world. And so for now, as we come to the end of this sermon, I want you to understand that this is how you got to read all of Paul's writings. You got to keep this in mind that Paul was not trying to pull us into, into living wild or licentious lifestyles. He challenged us to live the right way, but to do it for the right reasons and not to do it out of proving anything to anyone, but to be secure in our salvation, to know that nothing is going to take us out of God's hands. And as long as we place our faith in Jesus, we are saved no matter what. I want you to think about yourself for a second. If you've ever felt the need to prove yourself to God, Maybe you felt the need to prove yourself to others. Come on, we're in church now. Maybe you felt the need to prove yourself to others, to pastors, to friends, to people. Maybe you felt that need in your life before. I want you to think in your life where you've maybe been judgmental towards others. Maybe you've made people in your family feel bad for the decisions that they've made. And instead of pointing them to a Christ who will save them even in their brokenness, you've actually pushed them away. You've pushed friends away. I want you to think through all of these moments and I want you to take them all right now. I want you to put them into one package and I want you to lift it up to God. Because today Jesus is saying to you, just like he said to Paul and what he used Paul to say to others, his grace is made perfect in your weakness. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. And if you will allow him to just flood your life and impact you from the inside out, he will use you to change this world. It's the great grace of our God. And so I want to pray a prayer over you. I want to pray a prayer over me, that as we move forward, we move forward into life. We know that the battle is the Lord's. Jesus alone brings salvation through faith in him alone. And that the key to living the right way, an empowered way, is through the receiving more, receiving more of God's empowering grace. And that through that grace, we will reign in life.
Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning to come and speak to us about what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus. Not just someone who lives the right way or is moral or does good things, but someone who knows you. I pray for every person this morning who has struggled with the idea of needing to to prove themselves to you, Lord. And I pray that you will set us free. I pray just like you set Paul free, you will set us free today. That we'll be free from proving ourselves, free from judging others, and able to stand securely on your great grace. And Lord, as we read Paul's letters and as we understand them in a deeper way, Father, will you come and open up our hearts to know the fullness of your great grace that empowers us to be more, to live life and to reign through the one, Jesus Christ. And so right now we receive that in and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I wanna encourage you, church, this message of the gospel, it's bigger than we've ever imagined. And right now you might be watching this and you might be saying, well, I've never heard about a Jesus like this, a Jesus who who loves me and forgives me and saves me regardless of what I've done. I used to think that Christians were those judgmental people, but now I see there's something new. If that's you today, and you want to become a Jesus follower, not a Christian in the sense of going to church and being a religious person, but actually following in the footsteps of Jesus, just like Paul did. If you want to do that, if you want to become a Jesus follower, I'd love to pray a prayer with you. Will you pray this out? Will you say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. Will you save me? Wash my sins away. Make me righteous before you. I receive your great grace today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you just became a child of God. It means you're a follower of Jesus. It means he restores your relationship between you and God. What sin separated, God brings back together through his son, Jesus. And we'd love to help you understand what that means. We'd love to help you walk the next steps of your journey out. And so you click the button in the chat where you connect with us so that we can help you on these next steps. I believe that God has a plan for your life and he's gonna make it happen. Church together as one. We love God. We want to give Him all the praise, give Him all the glory. We want our lives to glorify Him. But we want to know that our souls are saved, that our freedom comes, our salvation lies in, our redemption comes from Jesus alone. And as we place our faith in the one man, Jesus Christ, we will reign. We'll reign in our finances, reign in our marriages, reign as parents, reign in our churches. We will accomplish the work of the Lord in our lives as his kingdom comes in through his grace. And so church, as we come to the end of this series, I pray that it helps you understand in a better way each one of these New Testament writings so we can know God, his purpose and his plan for our lives. We can see the thread of his hand through the whole New Testament. And so we just wanna say that we love you. I pray that as you go forth, you go forth strong and bold that you see God's hand in your life. And so we're going to bring this service to an end.
We pray you have an amazing week and we'll see you again next week. Amen.